Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi there, I'm Chris Dashu. I'm Mike White. And this is Father Malone. And we're the hosts of Dreams for Sale, a once-a-month look at Twilight Zone 1985, otherwise known as the only Twilight Zone reboot with, worth watching, because Jordan Peele bait-and-switched all of us. On this episode And of, the 2001, too. Don't, don't forget about that. That one's not bad. <laughs> I will go on record. Yeah, that one's not bad. They're the same. No, because the 2001, the 2001 reboot can still stand as a timeless piece of fiction. The 2019 show <laughs> is so rooted in the year that it came out. It's shocking. Well, okay. Yo, woke nature. <laughs> Trump. The Trump light zone. Uh, if you want to hear our thoughts, we did a couple episodes talking about that show. On this episode, however, we are talking about episode 19 of the first season of Twilight Zone 1985. That episode is broken into two segments, The Leprechaun Artist and Dead Run. Consider for a moment, if you were a leprechaun, making your home under the roots of trees or in hollows between rocks, wouldn't you want to get away from it all now and then? A winter in Pismo Beach, a summer trip to Disneyland, where no one would even notice you. But if you really were a leprechaun, where else would you vacation but in the Twilight Zone? So the episode aired February 21st, 1986. The first segment, The Leprechaun Artist, is directed by Halloween 3's Tommy Lee Wallace, based on a story by James Crocker and teleplay by Tommy Lee Wallace. And it is about a leprechaun who's on vacation who's forced to give three boys wishes. Oh, Faith and Begora, this episode... It was so lovely. Oh, let's go back to the little people of Kalani Woods. We're right back there, Boyo. Oh, uh, and poor Cover, yeah. don't you know? I was named after the city in Ireland. Oh, <laughs> fucking Christ. Um, this segment was garbage. I remember this segment so vividly, especially the uh, X-ray vision part. So good. I like that. I always like that? when... Yeah, I always like when 
leprechauns or gin oh. you know, when they when they fuck over the people. But then this guy lets everybody off so easy. He's, ah, yeah, it'll go away in a couple hours. Ah, yeah, you'll get out of jail. Don't worry about it. You're all okay in my book, boyos. You may be wow. keeping me here against my will and feeding me chocolate and candy, but I love you still. I'd rather have a potatoes and some four-leaf clovers. Like, what? What is this show's obsession with bad Irish accents? You know, and what the funny thing about that is Tommy Lee Jones did Halloween Three, which uh, has uh, an Irish villain in uh, uh, Connell Cochran, one of the one of the better villains of the of the eighties, as far as I'm concerned, uh, and gave a view of the Irish that was certainly not being trafficked at in. Uh, children's serials and uh, uh, most popular entertainment. Uh, so a little bit uh, shocking uh, that this in- episode uh, came from him entirely. Um, and uh, I could, uh, you know, just this sort of mid-80s forced kind of teen uh, jocularity. I guess this must be like in the wake of like Stand By Me had come out and stuff. So, you know, we're showing these hijinks of these children including like young danny nucci there and uh uh the the, the sort of lead kid on the with the, the he was in um god i can't remember his name now but he was in nightmare on elm street three dream warriors he's the puppeteer kid who gets oh, his uh, veins pulled out yeah 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 um i don't know i liked a lot of the actors including Hugh cork hubert who was the who plays the leprechaun he was in uh in a movie I loved when I was like seven years old, the uh, uh, Under the Rainbow with Chevy Chase and uh, and Carrie Fisher, uh, he was the lead character in that, um, and uh, and he's one of the better characters in uh, in Legend, which is not a great movie, um, but I sort of love it nonetheless. Uh, Ridley Scott's uh, fantastical film from the from the mid '80s with Tim Curry and uh, Tom Cruise. Um, it is. Uh, 100% terrible though the writing is so bad the direction is bad it's just not it's not good it's like you want to talk about a waste of time in an episode like we were talking about some of the segments of the previous episode like seeing yourself not watching them again I would I would love to to lacuna myself and get this one out of my head I I, I hated it it was absolutely everything I do not want from the Twilight Zone Oh, oof! And I was, I was actually starting when it started. I, I really was trying to dig it, and because I like everyone involved, including Tommy Lee Jones, and then watching it sort of slowly unravel into the schmaltz. I think even Alan Brennan, I read a quote from him saying, "Like we should have killed this one at script stage," and he's absolutely right. Yeah, I think the only thing it really had going for it was the clever title, and that was about it. Because right. he really doesn't even con these kids. Like I said, he doesn't fuck them over. It's just he, like, he, okay, he yeah. He cons them uh, because he gives okay. them stupid wishes. But that's their but own damn fault anyway. That. Yeah, that's what they always... You have to look for all the the loopholes and be super careful with the way that you phrase things. Wouldn't I mean, it be better to kids- just write the wishes down and hand them to the leprechaun? Yeah, think about him for more than five minutes. I want to be hot. Oh, okay, you'll be hot then. And he's bursting the fucking flames. Like, you got what you want, yeah. dude. Like, hey, you yeah, know what it's... else is good? Bedazzled. Both versions. You know what else is good? Anything with a monkey's paw. You know what else is good? Anything where the entire theme of the the episode, show, movie is be careful what you wish for. And I want a turkey sandwich. And I don't want the sandwich to eat me. And I don't want to turn into a turkey. 
It's a so Simpsons thing about the the monkey's paw. Like you know, at least at least Homer was thinking there. Yeah, I mean when Ho- when Homer is outsmarting these kids, then you know you've yeah. got a problem. Exactly. I want a really hot car. I was like, oh god, they were just telegraphing everything. I want my parents uh, to do everything I tell them to do. Oh god, but okay. nothing else. <laughs> like oh my god, Great. episode. Well, it's like the it's like bedazzled with Dudley Moore or with Brendan Fraser. I want to be super gifted at at sports, and then he's a complete and utter idiot with a small dick. Like wow, the creativity is just flowing from the script. You really are making me want to watch the Dudley Moore uh, bedazzled. Yeah, I mean, look, one. I like the Brendan Fraser one, but I like Brendan Fraser. Yeah, well, Whoa. yeah, Brendan Fraser's great. I mean, you know, that's fine. I mean. Yeah, the only time he's better is when he's acting against a monkey, and not a monkey's paw. <laughs> monkey Bone is an American <laughs> cinema classic. I will take oh, nothing. Oh, George of the Jungle as well. Oh, that that's a good movie. I, I don't know if you guys are giving monkey me a Bone. hard time or if you're being serious. I don't know, Father Malone, if you've ever seen Monkey Bone. Oh, I've seen Monkey Bone. Oh, okay. I thought yeah. you might have not have ever seen it. <laughs> uh, oh, no, you've never seen it. Uh, he walked right into that one. Big time. Oh, man. Okay. All right. Now I know I know the game we're playing from here on out, gentlemen. This is a game, <laughs> and you're the only participant. The walls are closing in on you, Father game. Malone. <laughs> oh, this is a blood sport. Uh, I, I can't... The, you know what the thing about this segment is the most surprising? Is that they stretched it out to, like, 20 fucking minutes. Oh, my God. Like... Wow. That in and of itself, like, congratulations, Tommy Lee Wallace. You stretched it out to almost a half an hour long, and it was a waste of time. And, you know, we were talking in the last episode about the interstitials that Tommy Lee Wallace directed Dreams for Sale, which is one of the best things in the entire series, and knew how to do it economically and uh, uh, interestingly, and here just, like, threw all that shit out the window and was just like, let's just fuck around and do nothing. I don't know. Go ahead, Chris. I, I apologize. No, no, no. This is this is one of the worst segments we've seen, period. This is going on the short list of the worst segments that we've seen. Yeah, you know what? Even as muddle-headed a notion and as unlikable as the characters are, are in Little Boy Lost, like, it had a, its point of view, and it didn't feel like it was clumsily made. I think it was also made by Tommy Lee Wallace, wasn't it? I think so. I do want to point something out. Did you guys catch the reference to the little people of Kalani Woods? Yeah, they they made an effort, made uh, some reference that they're not aliens or something. Oh, I'm not an alien. Oh, don't reference, don't reference that episode, please. Yeah. Yeah. This this oh god this this segment is just. I mean, there's not even there's not even a comeuppance. He just goes, oh, you guys are pretty good people. All right, bye then. Like what? 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 Yeah. Sure. The hell? On vacation now. Yeah. He doesn't even give the wrong turn at Albuquerque line, you know. I, yeah, you know, at, 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 when they first catch him, he's in that the stupid traditional Irish leprechaun suit, and then he's like, "I'm on vacation." The next time we see him, he's like wearing a Hawaiian shirt and everything. And I thought, well, at least that's clever. But then that lasts for ten seconds, and then he puts the other suit back on. I'm like, well, what, what, why did he have a costume change? Like, I don't know. So weird. What they should have done was just have Warwick Davis as the leprechaun and him murder the kids, and that's it. There you go. Yeah. That works. Just jump on him with a pogo works stick. Works with me. Or make them, I forget what it makes him eat paint, or he eats the coin and then he pulls the coin out of his stomach. That's right. 
Jeez. Jesus Christ. Those leprechaun. Those leprechaun. Talk. Oh, dear God in heaven. You know what? I've never seen a leprechaun movie. <laughs> ah! Wow. Well, I can tell you without the lucky one. They are shit. <laughs> doo doo of the. Yeah. Doo doo of the. Even leprechaun highest. in space? Even leprechaun. Even the one in space. Back to the hood. Wow. Because don't forget, there's leprechaun in the hood, and then there's leprechaun back to the hood. Wow. Where he's looking for his magical flute. Ugh. If you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, no. I'd rather watch Leprechaun than watch this shit again. Because this is just... Yeah. A biz- it's a bizarre segment. It has no purpose. It has no moral... Other than be careful what you wish for, which... Not unique. We've seen that, like we've mentioned now, a million times. And a million different other things that do it two times to infinitely more times interesting. Alright, so let's talk about the final segment of this episode... Dead Run. Centuries ago, hell was reached by chalk-white horses pulling shuttered coaches, by Spanish galleons borne on black sails through uncharted seas. Legend has it, Leonardo da Vinci was once commissioned to build a flying machine to carry souls to hell, but it never returned from its maiden flight. But along this particular road to hell lies redemption for the damned, as well as for drivers who have found work in the Twilight Zone. So Dead Run is directed by Paul Tucker, written by Greg Bear and Alan Brennert. It stars Steve Railsback as a down-on-his-luck trucker who ends up getting involved in a job that requires him to deliver... I was going to say sell, but... Fairy souls to hell via semi trailer. Yet another in the new Twilight Zones uh, series of the bureaucracy behind the fantasy. That is like a whole subsection of these episodes. Certainly is. There's like what the third one now. At least, At least. because yeah. we had the one with the devil with uh, I'm going to say Sanford and Son, but the Jeffersons, and then we had I of Newton. I, yeah, we had I have Newton, and then we had the other one with Garrett Graham, like, two episodes ago. Right. I would Garrett even Graham. go so far as to call the one where the woman goes to the wish bank. Mm, that's right. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah, so. D. Wallace, right. That's a lot for one season. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, we're not even done with this season yet. No, we're I'm not. I'm sure there'll be at least one more. I remember really liking this one, and watching it again, I still liked it. It goes on for a little long. It's a little slow in points, but... I love Steve Rails back. Absolutely love him. I love Barry Corbin. I love John Delancey. It was so nice to see Brent Spiner show up. I mean, just the the acting really helped this. And I kind of like the idea of the whole idea of uh, hell expanding and having old hell and new hell. And they're delivering the new people to the outskirts of hell. And they just keep building upon it. But then also that people aren't paying attention and people that aren't supposed to be going to hell are going there. And now rails back is taking it on himself to be the decider. I don't know. I, I, I kind of dug this episode. Yeah. I'm actually there with you on that, uh, on, on most of those things. I think it has problems. Uh, but I think it, I found it really disturbing as a child. Um, the notion that even if you live a good life, a, a bureaucratic fuck up couldn't send you to hell, uh, a little bit of, uh, 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 a little bit of Brazil for uh, for uh, the uh, the American television audience there, um, and um, 
Yeah, I mean, I think most of that still holds up. There are some weird moments in it, though. I don't know what accent Barry Corbin is doing, first of all. Um, yeah, he should only ever be Texan. Right. Like, I mean, and I, and like you said, Mike, like, I adore him. I think he's a great actor. I'm always happy to see him. But he seemed to be doing some weird Vermont thing or something. I don't know. Uh, which, unnecessary. Um, and, you know, little things like, well, if they can open the truck to get a few people out, why isn't everyone just jumping off that truck and running away? Um, you know, little things that, since they bother to show us, like, the entire setup of how all the, the, the bureaucratic things happen and how they have these guards with whips who are addicted to cigarettes. And, like, we're going to get into all of that shit. Like, you know, go the extra mile and have it something that makes sense, at least for me, where you're taking the people off the truck, you only taking the right people off the truck. I don't know. That's a quibble. I, I understand. But uh, in an otherwise uh, interesting episode for me. I liked most of it. I think it does, like you said, Mike, I think it drags a little bit, about two-thirds of the way through it. And while I'm perfectly fine with, yet again, like you mentioned, Father Malone, another, like, peek behind the fantasy and it's just all a bunch of bureaucracy, I don't think I need to see another one of these kinds of episodes. I think this is kind of like as far as this theme needs to go. Because... It, at some point, is going to be diminishing returns, and this episode started verging on that at the end. And the next time they do it, if they do it, which undoubtedly they more than likely will, it will be completely diminishing returns unless it completely knocks it out of the park. And I, I like I like enough of it to say this is a good episode, but again, it drags, and I'm not sure it needed to be almost a half an hour. It makes me really want to read the short story and find out like how they set it up there. I think it would probably be better as a story than as a teleplay. Most likely. Um, I love the idea that there's a diner at the midway point, the at the truck stop. Like, uh, <laughs> like who's manning that? <laughs> who's deciding on the specials that day? The weird demons who light cigarettes with their hands. <laughs> And then, and then on top of everything else, they start bringing, in the last, like, two minutes of the episode, they start bringing biblical notions into it. It's, like, rather non-religious, like, outright, and then all of a sudden they talk about the harrowing, uh, the harrowing of hell, which is, like, you know, a, a big part of Christian theology. And it's just, it, it kind of just feels a little hollow for me, because it's like, you don't have to bring that up. Like, we understand the themes of this without you trying to get, like, really in-depth with the Bible. Uh-huh. Feels a little tacked on. Yeah, a little tacked on. I'm sure that's definitely in the short story, and it probably feels powerful with the guy thinking this thing. Like, he's he's performing this noble deal, deed that uh, that Jesus himself uh, 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 tried uh, long ago. But, you know, I don't know. Talk about uh, God I think, um, you know, I like all the stuff with John Delancey, like, you know, how sort of matter of fact and cold it is and, you know, not at all um, sort of fire and brimstone. There doesn't seem to be much of that at all. It's all it's all much worse than that somehow, which is uh, a little more scary to me. Anyway. Well, you, you mentioned John Delancey's in this episode. Also, Brett Spiner's in this episode. Yeah, this is a prequel. Also, Ebro Smith is in this episode, who is best known for writing falling down and he's also in one of your favorite films father malone which fletch lives 
Oh, Fletch lives. Yes, that's a great one. He's a very nice guy. I like this segment. I mean, it's okay. It's definitely better than Leprechaun Artist, but that's about as low of a bar as humanly possible to cross. Yeah. Yeah, you guys just compared it to Little Boy Lost, so, <laughs> I mean, that's at the bottom of the barrel. Yeah, that's... <laughs> there you go. That's the, 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 the metric <laughs> that we use to determine uh, how bad something is. Which side of Little Boy Lost does it fall upon? I, I I do, like I said, though, I think I'm done with these, like, these kinds of episodes. Like, these pulling back the fantastical curtain. Like, we get it. You might be done with them, but I'm not sure if they're done with you. I know, I know. Oh, but, so like... They certainly are not. How many seasons of the show we got? Two more. Three? Yeah. The 80s... Guaranteed. Like, it feels like it's feeding into this, like, perceived yuppiness of the 80s. Like, there's something kind of weirdly yuppie about a bunch of people in the back of a semi-trailer all going, why am I here? Because I'm gay? Like... Yep. Yep. Yeah, basically. (laughs) That's what it is. In the 80s, that's how you go. Yeah, I mean, it's like this weird... Welcome to the silent majority. Like, this episode could not exist in, like, the 21st century. Because it would cause an uproar. Well, neither could the Leprechaun one. That's what I was going to say before, is that... Back at this point, you could make fun of so many minorities or nationalities, and just no one would bat an eye. And I'll just wait until the next episode. I think you still do that with uh, Italians, but that's True. about it. Mamma mia! <laughs> Where is my spaghetti? He threw his panties at us. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, just wait until the next episode where they talk about Chinaman again for like the third, oh, God. The oh, third man, time in favorite. the show. God, what is yeah, like look, I'm not one to get triggered or upset about stuff like this. I frankly don't care because the show was made in eighty five, so what am I gonna get pissed at a show that came up forty years ago almost now? But this really does this episode specifically and specifically at the end, it feels like it existed in a time and a place that was the mid eighties. And that is something about the original show that makes the original show so good is that it feels timeless. I think that's one of the big things you go back to when we talk about the original Twilight Zone is that every episode has timeless qualities to it. This episode does not have timeless qualities to it. It feels very much rooted in a time and place that is 8586. Yeah, I mean, I don't think every episode of the original Twilight Zone is necessarily timeless. I think I think the the, the spectacular ones we all remember sure. are certainly uh, timeless, and I think this series has uh, has a bunch of those as well. Uh, having said all that, yeah, this one definitely feels like 1985 or 86, um, but uh, but still, uh, and uh, not even comparatively, um, I think this uh, this segment anyway is is real good. It. Is it enough for me to recommend the entire episode is a good question. Like, is it good enough to balance out the horrific nature of the Leprechaun artist? No, for me, it's not. No, me either. I think uh, if you can just watch this segment on its own, please do so. But uh, if, it, if, it, if it's uh, all or nothing, uh, skip the episode. I do like the idea of Brent Spiner being a draft dodger. <laughs> he just has that look about him. Yeah. It's better than Leprechaun Artist, but I think for me, I think these last two episodes of the show have been real bad. 
I'm sure it'll all get better after here. (laughs) Speaking of that, on the next episode of Dreams for Sale, we're going to be talking about episode 20, which is broken into two segments, Profile in Silver and Button Button, which is, which, yes, if you're curious, is the story that was later remade into the 2009 film, The Box. So until then, where can people find you, Mike White? Well, you can find me over at the Projection Booth, which is available at projectionboothpodcast.com. And I do a podcast with you, Chris. I'm not sure if you realize it. It's called The Life and Times of Captain Barney Miller. I was under the impression that that was just our pillow talk. Well, you think that I just talk to you sweet and lovingly about fish and Wojohowitz and Yamana? I guess I had hoped so. Yeah, well, there is that. I mean, there's our slash fiction that we write. (laughs) Yeah. well, it's, but here's part. the thing. slash It's slash fiction for the Projection Booth podcast. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. And then Chris started talking and taking his clothes off. <laughs> Boy, slash fiction of real people is horrifying. Speaking yes. of speaking Guys, of you're going to be loaded onto a truck <laughs> and uh, shipped off to the low place <laughs> for that kind of uh, conversation. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> taken straight to hell, which we all would deserve if we were writing slash fiction about ourselves. Where can people find you, Father Malone? I've got a show on YouTube called You've Never Seen, which if, you, if you've never seen it, you should see it. If you have seen it, you should still see it again. There, that's all I'm going to say about that. You can also hear me over on the Chronicles from the Crypt podcast. That is a uh, podcast Chris and I do about Tales from the Crypt, the early 90s HBO phenomenon. Have you thought about, though, on your YouTube series, actually oh, picking boy. films that people haven't seen? No, um, the theory going in was I'm going to pick uh, movies that everyone has seen, and I'm going to title this ironically. Oh, oh, oh! He was being you guys are slow. Yeah, he didn't actually say that we should inject disinfectants. He was being sarcastic about it. <laughs> he just wanted to see what would happen. Yeah, yeah. As for myself, you can find me on CultureCast, Scary Stories We Tell podcast. Dreams for Sale is... Uh, I don't know where that... Uh, Twilight Zone 85... what you're listening to. <laughs> yeah. TwilightZone85.com is where you can find more episodes of this show. We're about two-thirds of the way, three-quarters of the way through this first season. So we've done a whole lot before this if you want to go check those out. We're also on Twitter, Facebook. Big thanks, as always, to Roxy Drive and Neutron Dreams for the music for Dreams for Sale. And we'll catch you on the next episode. <laughs>